Yo. Hey, Coltrane. What's up? Not much. Is that uh, Watson? Yeah. Nice. How's, yeah. how's Boston? Not bad. Like, it snowed a little today, but which is better, but it didn't snow a lot, so it's like... So it's still, like, snow on the ground style? I mean, it is right now, like, because it, did, cause it snowed, it, it has been sort of snowing today, so there's snow on the ground, but before that, it had pretty much all been gone. Like, there were, you know, a few patches where, like, the snow had been piled high that were still, you know, a little fighting around a little bit, but everything else was gone, so. Good to know. I'm it's coming. been, you know, it's, it's been sort of typical, like, New England, so, like, it was 60s for a couple of days, and then it was, like, 20, and then, you know, it's been, like, in the 40s, and then it snowed last night, or today, so. So next week, you know. everybody's going to have pneumonia? Pretty much, yeah. Because they're like, oh, oh, yeah, I can wear my T-shirt and my shorts now. Oh, no. No, you can't because now it's like in the snow. Well, I mean, you have you have the people like me who wear shorts all the time, no matter what. But that's because you're a real man. Not everybody can be a Damn real right. man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I only exactly. heard part of this conversation, but I feel like uh, I feel like we, it should all be included <laughs> in the how's the snow. Anyway, all right. Well, let's let's stop dicking around and then start dicking around. <laughs> Christian Blatt at Christian DMZ here, excited for another installment of the Blackcast with two of my favorite Blackcasters, Captain EO at Jeff Duray. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> and, Ka- and of course, Captain Coltrane, I almost called you. I believe you're an admiral at this point. Is that not correct, Coltrane? That works for me. Yeah, like Admiral Akbar. So, obviously. That's that's right. And, of course, at Coltrane Leaks, uh, we're going to have a, a fun conversation. There's so much to talk about, but we need to start somewhere really important. We have not had an opportunity for Coltrane and Captain EO to really bask in a very important event. We have really put this off for a long time. I feel like it's really time to allow the official Boston bachelors the boston boys of the black cast really enjoy their moment celebrating tom brady so of course we bring in the one we bring in the only coltrane on twitter at coltrane leaks we spoke with you ever so briefly right after the super bowl when we were on facebook live and uh, you sounded like you were uh, on a high as it were you were not high you were on a high from that improbable Super Bowl win. Talk a little bit about that and then how you carry that on, in my mind, well into the night. You tore shit up, in my mind. <laughs> you know, it was uh, it, it was more than I... It, the game did not unfold how I expected, clearly. But 
it's uh, it's weird because the whole time, just like there was a point that you're just like, wow, it's just not going to happen. Like things are just falling apart. It's ridiculous. And then it's just like it comes together, and you're just sort of sitting there watching. And as you're watching it, as I was watching it, it's just I kept feeling like, okay, well this just this has to happen. Okay, they're going to get a stop here. Okay, they're going to turn over here. And it was just a, it was a it was a random series of events where it actually was happening. And so I'm just sitting here watching it, and I'm like, okay, so this is happening. Okay, well, now, now as long as they get a stop here, oh, well, this is happening. Well, they, they can't miss this. Oh, this happened. So, <laughs> it, like, the way that it unfolded, it was like, it went from completely, like, I was disappointed and just like, wow, this really sucks. And, you know, to, not only are they losing, but they're going to get blown out. And then it's just like, as it starts coming back, it was just so kind of it, strangely matter of fact like okay the next play happens and the next play happens so it was fantastic because it was an entirely different scenario than what you would what you would have expected and in the end the Patriots did what they were supposed to do like the offense came together they they started to make plays the defense made a couple of plays which is what they needed to do and the Falcons uh coaches realize they don't really understand clock management and the Patriots do. So it all worked out in the end. And I was thrilled with the whole thing, the way that it all happened. It was fantastic. And I was, I was sort of stunned for a while afterwards, but pleasantly it was fantastic. Yeah. Now I of course have the benefit that I was in the room with you, Captain EO, while this was unfolding. As you think back on that moment and you think back on the win, is, is it one of those like, how in the hell did that happen? Or, it was it's uh, just like Coltrane described. It was kind of like you hit the point where you're like, well, it's going to take all this to come back. And I was kind of resolved to like, well, we're probably not going to happen, but at least we're making it competitive. You know, that's better. And then it just kept clicking. It was like everything. I was like, well, we're going to need two touchdowns with two, two point. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Well, oh, OK. Well. <laughs> and it just got more and more exciting. And it's it's really fun because it feels very much like a storybook culmination if you're a patriots fan if you've been a fan of tom brady if you like i've been a fan of the patriots since before tom brady i had a drew bledsoe and terry glenn jersey whoa so you know my first favorite patriots player was curtis martin who was immediately traded because that's what it's like to be a patriots fan sometimes (laughs) it sucks or what it was like to be a patriots fan no because they still do that they take your favorite player and Um, get rid of them we traded away chandler jones and uh, jamie collins this past season two of like our stud favorite defensive players and you were like well what the fuck are we doing Oh, winning championships. My bad. <laughs> I forgot to never question the genius of Bill Belichick. Um, so, you know, it was it was really great because I have had to argue with all the Peyton Manning fans over the years of like, yeah, but he's better. Or the Joe Montana doubters were like, yeah, but he, he won four and he won four without losing any. Now you get to be like, suck a dick. Five rings. <laughs> we're number one. <laughs> Fuck you all. No one can argue against this. And the way that we did it is like the exclamation point, right? It's not just like, yeah, he snuck by with five. It was like, no, five, exclamation point, fuck you, all <laughs> five. Well, and the last one was the one against the Seahawks, too, which was also... That was a great one, too. Was that also was also improbable and exactly. impressive. It yeah. was, I, that one was probably one where I was like so invested and so hurt after that catch where I was like, not again, not one of these. <laughs> and then they made oh, this, yeah. the, the interception, and I was like, God, I freaked out. There's pictures of me, because I was actually at Fox Sports at the time. Oh, so right. 
right. was like doing a, a radio broadcast and I just like went ape shit because it was so exciting. And this didn't have that like, oh, all is lost one moment wow, we're saved. It was like, it built up. It was a crescendo, right? Like, we got up to that moment, and then we get to win the championship, and then you sit back a little stunned, like, holy shit, we just won in overtime, the first ever overtime, and got five, and did all these things that, like, in the season where he had to sit out four games because of what, to a fan of the Patriots, looks like total bullshit. I, I understand why most people feel like Deflategate was justified, and it's breaking the rules, and it's this, and it's that, but it's like, as a fan of the team, it feels like nitpicking. It feels like everyone wants to get pissed off at the Patriots because they hate their success, right? It's like I'm a, I've been a Red Sox fan my whole life because I'm from Boston. So when the Yankees were good back in the day, <laughs> fuck you now, uh, <laughs> you know, I used to just be like, well, fuck them. Oh, they won the championship? Well, fuck that championship. They cheated somehow. Fuck them. Right? You, it's just like an anger and jealousy. Well, especially with the Yankees because now they have 27 World Series and, mm -hmm. you know, only one really in the century. But still, you know, it's a lot. And, yeah, when you grow up a fan of another team that is, is you know, in, in your case is a direct rival. And then, of course, me being a Mets fan, it's the same town. And you're like, well, Jesus Christ, like, you know, how how long can you hear about how great your older brother is? Mm -hmm. you know, fortunately, I never had to hear about that because uh, now imagine I'll tease my Eli Manning. <laughs> hey, imagine <laughs> being Cooper Manning, all right? That's, oh, God. That's tragic. But, yeah, so, I, look, I, I get it. And, uh, you know, look, I can say I'm very happy for both of you and all the Patriots fans that I know. There's a, there's a lot of them. Uh, you know, I didn't have anything invested in the – idea that the Falcons could win. Look, the Falcons should have won that game at halftime. They didn't have as much to do. It was coaching. Honestly, yeah. the, the biggest thing that I've read, and it makes sense, is the Patriots literally coached for the extra-long Super Bowl halftime. They were like, it's going to be a half-hour halftime. It's going to mess with your circadian rhythms, how you play the game. Be prepared for that. And they coached and practiced that specifically. The Falcons did not, which meant they came out and still had energy in the third quarter. But by the time they hit the fourth quarter, that's when the game would be over and their bodies are used to being done and fatiguing by that point. Whereas the Patriots have been practicing to play longer, which is why even though they played well through the third quarter, when the game came down to it, the end, the Patriots were better prepared. And capitalized. for the uh, the the list of Patriots haters in the in the Blackcast uh, listenership, I, I we're going to move on in a moment. But <laughs> uh, Coltrane, I'll go to you. Does this finally just for? I mean, you might have even felt this way beforehand. Does this establish Tom Brady and Bill Belichick as goats, greatest of all time? Is it just cut and dried that simple? I mean, for me, yeah, I. I had I actually had felt like that for a while because going back to the Joe Montana thing, it bothers me when you just say, "Oh well, I went four for I went four and zero," oh. but it's like that means you didn't get there two more times. So you're saying that you should be better because you weren't good enough to get to that game Great point. two extra times. So that part has always bothered me. Plus the fact that Jerry, uh, I couldn't catch a cold until I started using Stickum Rice, even though he's considered the greatest. Eh, watch his documentary. I'm just saying, like, he was, he's a Hall of Famer, and a lot of people consider him to be the best player of all time. So Joe Montana had the greatest player of all time to, that he was thrown to this whole time, and he's like, no, no, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm just saying I'm the best. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, who has Tom Brady had that was that throughout his entire career that was a Hall of Famer? I mean, he had Randy Moss for, like, two years, and it's like Troy Brown, as much as we love him in New England, it's not like he's a Hall of Famer. 
You know, like Dion Branch, again, quality player, loved him. He's not a Hall of Famer. So, for me, it's always like Brady had been there already. And if you look at it right now, like what I think it's like 40 or 45% of his career right now has ended up in the Super Bowl. Like, think about that for a second. Like, almost half of his entire career, the, the years end up in the Super Bowl. So, it's like he's pretty spectacular. He's, all, he's been like, as far as I'm concerned, yes, he, he has been the GOAT for a long time. And similar with, with uh, Belichick because, again, he doesn't get, like, tied down with sentimentality. He, he looks at his team. He knows what his team needs. And that's what he goes with. And it's like it doesn't matter if it's popular all around anywhere else. He, he has a grasp of his own team and knows what he needs to do. And that's, that's a formula that he goes with, and it works. So, yeah, for me, absolutely, it's, uh, the, the conversation is sort of over in that regard. And, Yes, I understand. Like all of the, I, I understand all the hatred. It, it still does bother me, and it always sort of will. And all of like the little like comments and everything sort of bug me. But then I'm starting to to get to the point where it's like, that's wonderful. You guys can sit there and have your, your you know cute little comments all day. <laughs> I'm sitting here watching a team that has five rings in my lifetime. I watched them get to seven Super Bowls, and you know like all of these other people that you're talking about, all these other teams they can't compete. They're just not there. So I'm actually good with it. And, uh, and one more, like going back, I remember when the Patriots were one in 15 and I, I am not, a, I was never a Bledsoe hater because I remember when he came in and helped the team actually get to a, to the Super Bowl. So, you know, like he wasn't able to get them over the top, but he absolutely helped turn them from a joke into a competitive team. And then, you know, Belichick came in and, Brady came in, and that's what got him over the top. So you're a long-suffering fan base, and then, you know, fortune shines down on you. So I'm happy with it. And, uh, Jeff, your thoughts on the greatest of all time label? you feel like it's appropriate at this time? Yeah, I think it's cemented, right? I mean, if you want to look at regular season statistics, Brady's up there in most of them. If you want to look at postseason statistics, he owns all of them. So it's if Wayne Gretzky is pretty much the undisputed goat of hockey, it's because he has all those same records. So why would it not translate, right? And furthermore, like uh, Coltrane said, he did it with m- comparably pedestrian receivers for the most part. That's a great point. He did yeah. it without a defense that is essentially now all in the Hall of Fame, like the 49ers or the Steelers. There's a lot that goes into football games. There's the whole adage, any given Sunday. So that level of success is unparalleled, and it deserves that recognition. I mean, if you're not a fan, then you're not a fan. You just got to hope for you got to enjoy the little bits of it and you got to hope next year or you got to hope like when your time comes you get to enjoy it too because I know I'm blessed I'll never see this kind of success again in my lifetime it's just not going to happen because it doesn't work that way so why why would you begrudge me you know drinking it in these last few years that I have I'm not begrudging exactly. anyone of anything but there are people who will and yeah, it was uh, an know, infinitive yeah year. that's an infinitive no no I know you weren't directing it to me no but specifically you what's your goddamn <laughs> problem <laughs> Look, all I I have to point to is that, you know, it it would be seven if not for the New York football giants. So, see, look, that's all I need. And, you know, you got five. It's plenty. You don't need seven. But, I mean, like, even that, it's like, yeah, that sucks. And it it sucks that they couldn't go 19-0, but... I've still gotten to see him win five. So yeah, no, exactly. It's, not, it's, it's a lot easier now when the that first one that they lost to the Giants, you know, that's a much different feeling than now. You think back and like, oh, they were so close. It could have been. But 
you know, it's it's not it's not so bad. It's not like it it ended an era, right? Yeah. Like it wasn't like up oh, 2007 and thereafter Tom Brady never threw another touchdown. Yeah, that's why like <laughs> the the 2001 Yankees who lost to the Diamondbacks, that was the end of that era. Yes, they won the World Series in 2009. But that was it. That was the end. You know, the, you rolled it up right there. You know, you mm-hmm. had you uh, did not have a four-peat, which is literally one of my least favorite bastardizations. It's of like the, the passing like, of the Steinbrenners just went the same way the passing of the buses is going now. Terribly. With the Lakers. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's I wanted to give you guys your due because we were, you know, so caught up and things when we were doing the live Facebook uh, Super Bowl after show. But we will move on now because, you know, I think Black Cast Nation is getting a little restless with all that Patriots talk. But I wanted to, like I said, give you guys your... your Sorry we your talked ch- about sports ball so long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a good thing Will's not here because he would be sleeping. Literally asleep right now. But we're going to talk about something very important. We're going to have a uh, trip over to Coltrane's Corner. A new study finds that 48% of millennials are more likely to have sex before a first date than previous generations. And then you heard that correctly. Having sex before you even go on the first date. Now, look, I've certainly been, uh, I think, on the record on the podcast. I'm a proponent of, you know what, you can't buy the car without taking it for a test drive. I feel like it's all right. It's understandable. People have sex before they get married. People live together before they get married. All of these things. And um, I, I find it not shocking. It's just a little startling. It's from a different school than my mentality. Uh, the idea that you would sleep together even before the first date. Look, if this were in play back in my day as a single man, I don't think I would have rocked the butt. I'm like, well, this is what they want. But... I don't know. I'm surprised. Uh, Coltrane. Well, actually, Jeff wants to jump in first. Yeah. Two things. First, you have to turn a car on before you can test drive it. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and secondarily, does this essentially just mean like meeting up at a bar and having a one night stand kind of thing? Well, or like, it's more like somebody that you know and are considering dating. You know, you might date them. It's like, you know what? I have so little <laughs> time. <laughs> so I have so little time. That I'm going to go ahead and bang this person, and if it's not good, then I'm just not going to waste my time because I don't want to date somebody who's bad in bed. Okay. Coltrane, do you understand this approach, and do you subscribe to it? I do understand that mentality because, I mean, it's, you know, it's funny cause it's because I feel like at this point in my life, it just doesn't make sense to waste a lot of time with someone who sucks in bed. And because it, it, it's, I don't know, it's just like, you know... You, you just know that, that there are girls that are, like, down, and they're just, like, fun, and, you know, like, even when you're just, even when it's, like, you can't do, any, do like, a whole lot of fun stuff, like, you're just, like, kind of, you enjoy, like, having sex with that person, and then there's other people when it's just, like, it's terrible, like, there's, there's like, an old adage, there's no such thing as a bad blowjob, of course there is, there's, there's, there's girls who just can't do it, yeah. there's, like, there's sex that's just not fun, it's just, you know, there's, there's nothing to it, and you're just, like, wow, I've I'm really, I'm really not that interested, and I really don't want to keep going with this. And it's like, yes, there's definitely more to a relationship than sex, but if, if there's an element that's completely off, then it's like, why waste your time going down that road? You can still be friends. That's cool. And if, like, you're, if the other person is, like, down to, like, just try it out and see, like, you know, give it a test drive, see if it's going to work, if you guys are both compatible or if you're not, 
I'm down with that mentality. I don't know. Like there's, there's so much that goes into a successful relationship. So it's, I don't know. Like, I just don't like wasting time. I don't like, I just don't like all like little games and like kind of bullshit and everything. So I just want to know, like, if it's down, if it's going to work, then yes, let's go forward with it. And if it's not, oh, well. Yeah. Well, specifically this article, which of course is from the daily mail, it mentions that, you know, the people that were responding to this survey, this study, this poll, whatever, uh, Paul, uh, they said that they like to sample the goods before committing to an actual date, which requires considerably more time to call Transpoint, not to mention more money, which, you know, I don't know. I mean, it shouldn't be as huge of a concern when you're looking for love, but for some people, I guess it is. Jeff? I mean, this essentially, to me, I mean, I'm just trying to really wrap my head around the context. Like, so... As I configure it, it would just mean, like, you, you end up getting a girl's number, say, from, like, one of those dating apps, right? And then you have your conversations, and then essentially all it turned into was, like, do you want to come over and, like, hang out? And then that leads immediately to sex, Netflix which you wouldn't chill. consider a yes, date. Yes, exactly, Coltrane. Netflix and yeah. chill, which now well, yeah, I understand what, what that is. Exactly, yes. and that's what I'm saying. So it's like, is that what they mean by not going on a date? Because... In my mind, the time that you spend, like, talking beforehand, like, once they come over, is the same thing you would do if you went on a date. You're just actually at home so you can immediately get to the sex. Now, see, that's an interesting viewpoint that I hadn't thought about. Yeah, it's true. Like, the idea of courting and getting to know someone in the modern age, sort of the texting back and forth or messaging on a dating app, however you're communicating, that is a little bit of that stuff. And yeah, I mean, I guess, look, I can see it. And also, I mean, the idea that, you know, this is basically like you have a one night stand to see if it can, you know, it's basically you're renting with an option to buy, not literally with any money changing hands, but, you know, to extend the automobile metaphor from earlier, I think that... Rent to own instead of lease to own. Yeah, exactly. Because you're not you're, committing. You're to not committing to even leasing at that point. That's exactly <laughs> what I was getting at. And I, I don't know. I mean, look, relationships have certainly grown out of uh, one night stands. I mean, sometimes it's because you get knocked up on a one night stand, but usually that's just movies with Catherine Heigl in it. But <laughs> no, I mean, look, relationships can certainly. You know, you can have an intended one night stand, like, and both people are like, you know, actually that was kind of fun. Let's hang out sometime. Mm -hmm. So. I don't know. This isn't so abhorrent. It's just surprising. And, you know, also when I hear about things in the modern day that weren't the, this way when I was single, I'm always like, oh, come on. Where was this? To, I, to me, it's just the, the girl well, you hooked up with the night you met her even, right? Like yeah. going out on Halloween, meet a random chick, and then you end up hooking up. That is having sex without a date. Well, and that's just that happens all the time. Well, I would point this, I, I would actually point this out too. This is, as we're having this conversation, this is sort of what occurred to me as well. There was a time when, it's weird because there's things that you almost can't say anymore, but it's like there was a time that if you went on a date with a woman and, and she got lobster, that meant she had to put out. <laughs> and it's like, I know there's like, you, you can't say, well, she had to do it. At the time, that's the way that it was like perceived. So now it's not like, so now, whether or not you're going to actually get intimate isn't based on how much money you spend on a date. It's like, do I vibe with this person? Is it someone that I want to explore things with more? So there's no financial component to it at all. It's just, this person's cool. I like this person. Let's see what happens. And then it's not, so then there's no pressure of, oh my God, like, what did I just have? Like, I, I don't know. Like, is there some sort of expectation? Now there's not. It's just like, you want to do, like, a Netflix and chill, you do a Netflix and chill. 
you want to like, you know, just hang out with someone and see where things can go, like you can do that. And you sort of, everyone sort of has like that basis without actually having to have the pressure of like what is expected or what's supposed to happen. It's just like everything happens now in everyone's control because that expectation isn't there. Again, someone wants to come over and like watch a movie with you, but they don't want to put out. No one feels like, no one feels any sort of way about it because it's like, I didn't put out any money, so what the fuck do I care? And she's just like, well, I didn't order an expensive meal, so I don't feel like I have to do anything. So it's sort of like an easier version of things, so it lowers an expectation level. Yeah, I think on the on face value, it's less complicated. I think emotionally it could entwine. It could become, see, I was trying to not say become, that was the problem. Uh, it, it could definitely get more complicated emotionally for either or both persons, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. And, of course, we always want to know what everybody listening thinks. You can comment by liking The Blackcast on Facebook. You can tweet us at Blackcast. And, of course, as always, that's B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. Uh, another new study from the Institute, uh, the Blackcast Institute on Studies, let's just say, reported by the Daily Mail. A new study on the quote-unquote orgasm gap has determined that heterosexual women have fewer orgasms than men, lesbians, or bisexual women. Now, let's break down each of those first. There are three things that heterosexual women have fewer orgasms than, three different kinds of people, men, lesbians, or bisexual women. So let's start with the first one. Heterosexual women have fewer orgasms than men. Duh. I mean, I don't even know that there's anything to be said on that. Uh, yes, Jeff. I mean, I think it just depends on the girl and the and, and, and the relationship. Like I've had girls who that's like that wasn't an option for them. Usually younger girls, like when I was younger too. Again, I do not. Condemn, <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Uh, you know where it's like. All right, some, Liev. Yeah. Exactly. Whenever whenever the notion of young girls comes up, we always. I think that should be like a, a recurring joke. Is like that I'm some sort of like pedo or something, right? <laughs> well, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's already been established. So. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> finish your thought before I ask Coltrane what is. No, it, it, like I've had girls where it was like that. They just weren't there mentally or whatever because it is uh, because so. Because they were only twelve. Yeah, and because my dick's no, small, no, but that's not a problem. No, we're <laughs> joking, everyone. Uh, and then I've had other girls where it was like, you breathe on them, and they're like moaning at you. <laughs> You're like, okay, it, it really just depends on the girl. So it's like, yeah, I get it because I also feel like um, it's it's like a lot of things. It's like how um, women being uh, gay or bisexual has always or has not always has been largely more acceptable. Like, there's been less, like, vitriolic anger towards lesbians than gay men, right? Sure. I think that's so, a fair statement. So uh, I would say the same thing for, like, it has been culturally pervasive that women will have a harder time reaching orgasm and that when they do, it's got to be, like, this euphoric experience. And it's like, well, n no. Everyone who has orgasms know that they vary because it's like a physical sensation, and all physical sensations vary, right? And so it's like they have all this like information built up that they they just like it's like having an expectation for a movie and then seeing it, and even if it's a good movie, if it's not meeting your expectations, it's a disappointment, and so they disappoint themselves. Versus, I feel like if you're lesbian or bisexual. 
you're operating already from a pay place of like, oh, I live outside conventional norms. I don't have to worry about what a normal girl goes through. And you can be a little bit more, like, free. Uh, Coltrane, uh, are you surprised to hear that heterosexual women in general have fewer orgasms than heterosexual men? <laughs> then they should give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, there you go. I mean, I... Um, okay, as far as that goes, no, of course I'm not surprised. Like, that's, that's like, been since the beginning of time. That's, I don't know. I mean, there are things that people don't want to acknowledge as facts. The facts have been around for a long time. But... I just feel like um, I I feel like when it comes to like lesbian relationships, I feel like the the difference in that regard is there it's a woman who tends to like know herself better and know so she's gonna know what she likes better. I mean, when it comes down to what like when it comes down to orgasms, that's that's a lot of it is what do you like and will your partner do what you like to get you there? So. Let's face it, men, sometimes we can be a little selfish. I'm not going to lie. Selfish? Absolutely. But it doesn't mean that, you know, like, I don't, I don't help out along the way. But it, So it's like I know what I want, and I'm not afraid to say what I want. So that's why, it's, for me, it's just always been, like, pretty easy in that regard. And I feel like, like the women that I've been with that have been completely free and they, they know what they like and they go with it and the whole thing – like, it's real easy for them because they know themselves and they know what they like. So that's why, like, when it comes to, like, lesbian and bisexual women, I just feel like if they know what they want, it makes it a lot easier to actually, like, have an orgasm, whereas a heterosexual woman doesn't always know what she likes, and sometimes she's trying to make sure that she's pleasing the guy she's with, and she's not as focused on what it is that actually works for her in that relationship so yeah i mean look it, it makes sense you know if you think about lesbians and you think about gay men and you know some of the people listening to the black ass don't want to think about one or both of those for too long but the point is like you know when you're both the same gender you have a much better understanding of how things work let's say what is actually going to really get the other person off you're you're sort of you know you have like insider knowledge basically when you're a lesbian or a gay man and you know bisexual women probably get to utilize some of that as well so yeah you you have kind of the the secret plans to the death star basically and you tell them where the one spot is that they need to explode in order to destroy the whole thing if i wanted to really just take star wars into a very dirty place <laughs> You're also pairing women up with other, or you're, you're pairing people up with, like, uh, emotionally supportive others, right? Like, yes. we conventionally think of men as being, like, not so emotionally supportive, right? So gay men weren't on that list. It's true. I it mean, you would assume that they would win that list you would assume over that, all of that us. But. They, they get, yeah, that, that they get more <laughs> orgasms than anyone because they're, you know, they're able to just be like, you know what you're doing. Come on. <laughs> You know, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, look, this was one. Look, whenever I see studies like this, I always put them in a folder and I save them for when we're lucky enough to visit Coltrane's Corner. And this was one in particular that I was just like, yeah, I feel like there's a lot more conversation to be had on this. So we, as always, welcome your comments at Blackcast on Twitter and, of course, the Blackcast on Facebook. And you can go to blackcast.com. There's nowhere to really leave your comments, but that'll get you to everything else. Mm -hmm. 
And of course, it's always B L A D T C A S T. Do you have a final thought there, Jeff? You look like you were I was sitting on thinking. something, which I mean in a dirty way. Well, it's, it, I mean, it's uh, once again just going in with societal norms. We all accept the idea that a woman uh, matures sexually as she gets older, probably because she starts to understand herself better with age. See, that's there's some sage-like knowledge that gets shared on the Blackcast. And look, I think that these conversations are very helpful for the fellas and also for the ladies and I feel like we really only have these conversations when the one and only Coltrane is with us so Coltrane we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to float on over and be sort of like the I'm going to use a more Star Wars because why not you're basically like a sort of a see-through a transparent Obi-Wan Kenobi in the corner just giving us your sage-like knowledge and we always appreciate that so that we can one day be the master that you are <laughs> I like thanks for talking about orgasms on the Blackcast you know that <laughs> where would we be without Coltrane we would never get to talk about orgasms on on the Blackcast Listen, uh, you got to talk about the things you know about. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Boom! Boom! Look, we have uh, we have to shift gears a little bit here now because obviously there's so much testosterone when Coltrane is with us, and we talk about such manly things. That's why Coltrane's corner was also known as guy talk because we're talking about guy stuff. And then I think Liev pointed out that it was just one letter away from being gay talk. And that's kind of what the whole black cast is, too, though. You know, look, we're okay. We're happy to say, like our friend Salman said, we might be gay adjacent. Maybe I'm the only one that's happy to say that, and I'm just really saying it to fill time. But, Coltrane, you and I were talking before we started recording, and I was just wondering with the new season, or as they say in the UK, the new series of Doctor Who, almost upon us, and without Agent Starling here, it feels like we're cheating on him talking about this without him. But he and I talked about it back in February, and I just wanted to let you kind of weigh in as someone who has watched the new series, the reboot. As you see the trailers for this new series, season 10, the final with Mr. <laughs> Peter Capaldi, what are your thoughts as you look at what, what's in store for the Doctor in this new season? I already just sort of feel like his, his new companion is a bit annoying. It's like, you know, we've only had like a few like clips, a few like kind of snippets of her, but she just seems like really annoying. And I'm not sure, I, I'm not sure that I feel like she works already. I mean, again, it's early we don't know how it's all going to play out. So there's still time for them to like fix it. But the first time I saw like the, a teaser for the new series, I was just like, huh? I'm like, who is this girl? Well, <laughs> why is she so annoying? She does get so foisted I, upon us to some extent because of the fact that like she narrates both of the teaser trailers. And I'm like, why yeah. are you telling me this story? I don't even know. I don't know you. You don't know me. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh. So I, I don't know. Like I'm just, I'm not, I'm not all that excited about it. I, I am actually. I'm, I'm a little disappointed that Capaldi's leaving, although not, not really shocked because I actually, I did, I did decide that I liked him. He like, uh, he actually brought a nice, uh, a nice, I don't know, difference to, uh, to what they had gone with for, uh, for the Doctor for a while. So I thought that was a nice change. I'm definitely interested in some of the talk about, you know, who could be potentially replacing him, although that's a little further down, but yeah. I'm interested in that. Um, but I mean, it's, you know, it's Doctor Who, so I'm always excited about, like, what's, you know, what is coming next, but I, I don't know, like, so far the, uh, so far the new, the new companion is, is shaky. 
shaky. I mean, I don't know yet where uh, where she would rank as far as uh, Clara goes. So I, I don't know. We'll, you, we'll you, you you feel like she couldn't possibly be worse than Clara, though, because of how much you, you hate my beloved uh, Clara Oswald, who is sort of dead, but not really. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, as we as we discussed, uh, you know, like back when it happened, it's like I didn't like Clara. Then I did like Clara. And then I didn't really like her. And then at the very end, it was like, OK, I'll, I'll go with you a little bit on it. So <laughs> sort of a mixed bag with Clara, but. Like more negative than positive, I guess. Culture, but I mean, and the new one, we could see. We'll have let, to see. Let, let's cut to the chase. That Bill, the new companion for the Doctor, you just don't like her because she's black and you're a racist, right? Basically, yes. <laughs> now, although in fa- although in fairness, I mean, Nikki Smith is you know underrated as uh, next to the ponds. He's definitely like the my next favorite companion. So not exactly. It's more like. It, it's more black and female. That's that's sort of a yeah. You know, so it's um, a double whammy. Because we're having this conversation, where did Martha rank for you? I don't know if we had that, but you know, obviously we're we're taking the other African American companion and and just seeing. I'm wondering I what actually, you thought. You know, I actually ended up kind of liking her more than I liked Rose because it's like she definitely was like in love with the doctor and everything, but she at least like at the end like she chose her own fate. Like, she took her life into her own hands, which I liked. And then, like, there, you know, there's other stories where, like, she actually ends up being a hero and hooking up with Mickey Smith, which is not a bad thing for her. But, I mean, like, she, so, like, she you mean like, You mean Ricky. The fact that, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ricky, right, Ricky, right. the, Ricky the tin dog. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, it's like, so that part, I don't know, like, that yeah. I actually liked. I mean, there's a while where it's like, oh, she's like puppy dog. And yeah, that's what but I again, didn't. Like, the fact that she took her life into her own hands, that I liked. I felt, I felt like that was what made her such a redemptive character for me, is that she was just like, you know, I don't want to take this ride. This is the most amazing ride in the universe, and I don't want to take it. I'm going to choose my own fate. And I like that about I like that about her a lot. So yeah, no, I, I Rose was just always pathetic. It ended up and ended up with the second place doctor. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's how that's how sad Rose was. She basically took like you know like leftover pieces. You know, basically took the doctor's like idiot cousin, and she's like good enough for me. <laughs> and she's like I don't need better than that. Yeah, I know. This is another occasion where I wish Will was here because uh, I think he would fight us on that. But yeah, I wasn't a big Rose fan, and I think. That that uh, Martha's story later when she came back, you know, working with unit and all that was much more interesting. There was way too much puppy dog stuff early on. Uh, Captain EO, where are you in terms of watching the show? Did you get caught up? I know that no, you I'm would still, I think I just passed like the Zygon invasion. Oh, okay. But harder from, from season nine, season so, nine. Like, so close to the end of it, but I just, you might caught up in, you might get else. caught up in time for the new season, but uh, I think I'll have when I, uh, Wherever in time I'm at home, I yes, might, uh, you might have time have to watch spare it. Time to watch, but you'll of course have already plowed through Iron Fist. So oh, I will you... Iron Fist him so hard. Oh, yikes! Well, you know what? He's tough. He can take it. So <laughs> that seemed uh, a little forced. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So anyway, well, hopefully for the sake of having this conversation, once we get to meet Bill, the new companion, maybe she'll be everybody's new favorite. Look, I, I of course, 
was very vocal. I, I didn't like the show. I didn't like anything about the way it worked. And, and then I was like, oh, now they're going to have this old guy. I don't know about that. I don't think I, I don't think I like this old guy. And he's my favorite. So it, we can all get one over. But uh, we, we will, of course, have to see, won't we? Anyway, I just wanted to kind of, you know, because, look, we talk about all sorts of things when Coltrane's on, and a lot of times the the nerd talk kind of gets pushed aside, and I thought, this is a man who has, he has enough comfortability with his manliness that he can talk about nerd things, too, so I wanted to include you in that, Coltrane. Appreciate it. Uh, then I, we move on, we move back to sort of more newsier news, just some stories that I saw recently in the news. Uh, officials in Indianapolis have granted landmark status to a building that once housed the third oldest White Castle in the country. So this tells me a few things. One, there are not enough landmarks in Indiana. Two, third oldest White Castle. It's not the first, it's not the second, and it also isn't there anymore. So it's a landmark that it used to have a White Castle that's amongst the oldest. Uh, I wish our friend Jason Blair was here because he lives in Indiana. And this tells me that Indiana has a complex about itself. Uh, but because it involves Indianapolis, I wanted to throw this to Jeff because I think you have some opinions about Indianapolis that you've shared before on the Blackcast. It is a beautiful and wonderful city <laughs> filled with the worst pieces of shit on earth. <laughs> Fuck Indianapolis right in its butt. I will iron fist all of you fuckers. You are the ones that are the ball lickers. <laughs> you are the ones that are. This is a, this is a very Jason Muse moment there. I enjoy it. Boy, if only if only we had uh, we had Jay and Silent Bob here with us. But uh, we appreciate you embodying the wolvie berserker style nature of uh, Mr. Muse. Uh, another one that I thought was interesting was well, they wait, made. Can I, can yeah, I, go ahead. Can I just, can I just uh, jump in there? This, this is the, the town that has the uh, sports team that hung a AFC championship game runners-up uh, banner in their stadium after they lost the AFC championship game in 2014. I'm just saying they might have a little bit of a complex, or maybe they just don't understand what it is you should actually be, you know, celebrating. Because, like, hey, we're the first losers. Woo-hoo! Yeah, look, really? I think if like, you... That's the type of stuff you're, it, that you're celebrating? If you, if you win the championship game but lose the Super Bowl, all right, there's a there's a banner that you can hang up. But you get to the hey. AFC championship game and then lose. So, yeah, you're not the runner-up. You are a loser. Yeah, you get a... It's like getting a pennant. You, you get a trophy if you win the AFC or NFC. Yeah. You don't get anything if you lose the championship game because you suck ass. That would have been like us Unless putting up a, a banner for 2006 banner. when we lost to the Colts. Like, hey, remember that time we lost to our rival? We should remember that with a banner. Yeah. What were you saying, Coltrane? You're saying that when you're in Indianapolis, you actually get to hang the hang the banner up there? I, I was just saying, like, if you... Yeah, if you win the AFC or the NFC, you actually get a trophy. But if you lose it in Indianapolis, you get a banner. I'm not saying that Indianapolis is racist, but they're awfully uh, enthusiastic to hang something. All right. I like that one. That was good. Jeff was excited about that. And again, so... I don't really have an opinion on Indianapolis because they don't have a baseball team. So, you know, I, we can move on. Uh, <laughs> baseball. Uh, yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, I thought this was interesting. I was reading that a pair of identical twins in New York State, they made history by getting the highest GPAs at their school in their graduating class. So one's a valedictorian, one's a salutatorian. Anybody who's ever known twins 
probably realizes that the one who's a valedictorian, this is going to, you know, just obviously go to their head so much because there's always twins are so competitive. There are these two girls who were twins in my middle school and they like love each other. But they kind of hate each other because you're basically me, but like slightly different. And I know the difference, but people look at you and think you're me, and that drives them crazy. I actually had um, two very successful twins, the grade ahead of me in my high school, the A Bear twins. They actually both went uh, to Yale to play on their football team and stuff. Uh, both very smart, uh, gifted athletes and stuff. But they were actually, like, the nicest guys and, like, had that really weird, like, twin. Because they were identical twins, too. Right. But they had that, like, weird twin obsession with each other where you never really saw them apart. So I never knew which one was which. Which brings up the question, uh, Coltrane, have you ever had a threesome with identical twins? No. no. I absolutely would love to. I was going to say, that, that, sounds like, that sounds like bucket list stuff. It was, here's the only problem with having a threesome with identical twins. That means you're having sex with two people who were definitely molested because they're sisters, and that's fucked up. Wait, why are they molested? <laughs> because what, what kind of sisters have oh a have a threesome? Oh, yeah, okay, I see where you're Only, going now. <laughs> I, well, I do normally. I would like normally if it was just sisters, I, I would hear what you're saying. But there's, and I, you know, I don't have a ton of experience with twins. Like I don't really off the top of my head. I don't. I can't think of the, of knowing any, but. There are twins that are like they just are obsessed with each other, as in like there are twins, and it it seems to be something that I've noticed more with twin women than with twin men. But they'll date the same guy, they'll live in the same house, they'll do absolutely everything together, and it's like it's so it doesn't seem as much like they like something clearly had to have happened to them, because it's something that I've noticed with like multiple sets of twins from multiple different types of backgrounds i would say like again if it's like sisters in general yes but like twins i don't know like there are some that are just weirdly because they're twins and they're just weird anyways they just like everything about them has to be exactly the same it's like they're the same person except they they clearly are two different people but it's like they feel the same so they feel like everything has to be the same so they will be they will share relationships because it's like they want everything to be exactly the same. They don't want to have, like, different men in their lives. They don't like different men. They like the same guy, the same situation. So, and it's something that, again, only I've only noticed it with female twins as opposed to male twins. That's why I would say that I would take that on the bucket list because I don't, I wouldn't be as uh, cognizant of that. Although, in fairness, if I was banging two sisters, I probably wouldn't be that cognizant of it anyway because I'm, you know, hashtag shallow. <laughs> well, for for Jeff's analogy, we're going to assume that it's two identical twin stripper girls. And then, yeah. of course, his assumption is definitely guaranteed. If, Miri <laughs> if Miriam had a twin sister, you'd be like, oh, yeah. yeah. I like that when we get to talk about Miriam because <laughs> she doesn't come up often enough. Oh, but... Ew. It's uh, people still reference her on Twitter and less on Facebook, but it, 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 people really identified with that story, you know. It's and an epic story. I, truthfully, I've, I'm lucky to have gotten to live it because it's like one of those moments that for the rest of my life, like no matter how dull and boring my life gets, I can be like, remember that one night? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, if we can all have one night that we go, yeah, but remember that one night and look, it's not always going to be, you know, going home with a stripper. But, it, you know, if we can have one night we point to, some of us might be lucky enough to have more, that you're just like, yeah, this is my life now, but 
you know, if anybody listening has something that they feel compares to a, oh, that night, and they want to share on the Blackcast, we'll let you tell the story. We'll Skype you in. So let us know at Blackcast, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. It does not have to be the same story as Jeff's Miriam story. I know someone that I won't identify who is a fan of the Blackcast who has something of a similar story. It's not quite as tantalizing as yours, but it's a similar situation. But that person would never identify themselves because it's just it's just not who they are. Mm. They don't want to share those things. And their name is Larry O. No, actually, it's not Larry O. <laughs> I just said that as a joke. But um, Coltrane, how much do we miss Larry O going to Angels games and may or may not have gone to some after-game activities with him. Yeah, I mean, he was a lot of fun, and every once in a while I would uh, I would catch him on Fox News after the fact, and I would you know, be like, hey, Larry O. But, yeah, he was, a, he was an entertaining guy for sure. Remember there was a point where his uh, comb-over was getting so pronounced and we decided <laughs> that he was Trump O'Connor? At, yes. At that moment, uh, if I had to pick one of those two men to be president, I would have picked Larry O'Connor. And felt like, yeah, well, that's the one that makes more sense. Uh, what a crazy world we live in, I guess. Uh, or as our friend Yakov Smirnov used to say, what a country. Where's the beef? <laughs> Where's the beef is a different <laughs> phrase from the 80s. Damn, millennials don't appreciate Ooh, real, planes, real art. Uh, I have a couple more stories that are dumb stories before we wind things down for this installment of the Black Cast. And uh, we always appreciate our friend Coltrane when he's able to join us. Uh, authorities in Florida are left trying to determine why a five-foot-long dead shark was left in a shopping cart outside of a local Walmart. I'll go first. If I had to guess, it's because five-foot-long dead sharks are cheaper at Walmart than at Target. But, Coltrane, how do you think a dead shark ends up in a shopping cart outside of a Walmart in Florida? Because it's Florida, and crazy <laughs> shit in the, in the world happens either in Florida or Germany. So it doesn't surprise me in the least. It's funny this new shopping cart because it's like, I mean, I guess, like, how else are you going to carry a, a five-foot dead shark but in, in a shopping cart? Although it would have also been funny if it was, like, wrapped in trash bags so someone thought it was, like, a dead body and then realized it's a shark. Yeah. That would also be kind of funny. An interesting sort of prank, which I would have expected somewhere in Florida. So I like it. I believe. Wait a second. Where's Liev? Yeah, where is he? Yeah. Florida! Don't worry, I have another Florida one in a second. So go ahead. I believe that uh, somebody was trying to send a message, possibly to one of the employees, that they're fin to catch a beaten. You know what? I don't know. I'm going to have to look to the judges as to whether or not that one qualifies for the bell. Uh, the East German judge says no. Oh, but the American judge says yes, because Americans are very soft. Yeah. So there you go. You get that. Uh, also in Florida, for the second year in a row, the healthiest and happiest city in the country, Naples, Florida. And I feel like that's just because the people in Naples don't know any better. They don't know how much better life could be. They're probably all like nonagenarians who are like, we're in Naples, Italy, right? <laughs> yeah, they, they just don't know any better. Uh, Coltrane, Naples, Florida, is that somewhere that you feel like you would be happiest and healthiest if you lived there? I mean, no, but I'm black, so. <laughs> all right. So they'd, they'd half like you, though. Exactly. Half of me would fit right in. Yeah, and then the other half, they would they would say the rest def definitely wouldn't. <laughs> you know, they they would say one of those things where it's like, oh, but you know, half of you is one of the good ones. 
<laughs> uh, exactly. Jeff, if you could live anywhere on planet Earth, where would you be healthiest and happiest? Like, just assume, you know, if you want to be there with Natasha, you know, however you want to go. Like, you know, you don't have to leave behind anyone. Mm-hmm. You can bring someone there. Where do you think you'd be happiest and healthiest? That's a great question. Um, My guess for you, I would say, would be somewhere either immediately in or adjacent to Joshua Tree, because I know how much you like it there. I do. But would it get old if you lived out there in the desert? Oh yeah, I could never do. I could never do anything for too long. I, I love diversity. That's part of why I loved uh, living in Los Angeles because I can reach so many diverse. Uh, temperates, climates, whatever you want to call them, uh, all around. And I can see all different types of nature. Plus, there's, I mean, when you live in a city of many millions of people, there's all sorts of different cultural and entertainment things to check out. So I think I'm in a pretty great place. I mean, I I know this is not the question you were asking, so I'm just going to get weird with it. But I think healthiest and happiest is more of a mindset than anything so so it doesn't matter where you are yeah. as long as the 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 circumstances you're in the environment is comfortable yeah. for you that's I'm, where you want to be there's obviously places you don't want to be you don't want to be in syria or any war sure. place yeah, like, yeah. that's well, yeah. a detriment Look, but beyond none that of, come none on. of us want to be in detroit you know and and i don't know if the black cast is big in detroit but come on you understand it's not it's not our dream place yeah. uh, i think for me if i could you know, go with my family i would like to be in uh, the south of Spain, I was there 17 years ago, a place called Tarifa. And uh, it was literally, I was just like, man, I could see growing into old man Logan here, mm-hmm. even though old man Logan wasn't a thing yet. I was just like, yeah, I could be old man Logan here. I loved Prague, but I also feel like living anywhere abroad would just get old after a while. Because even just doing like four months when I did my semester abroad, you hit the point where you're just like, all right, enough goulash, one hamburger, please. Like, one menu that I can read all of, please. Like, Yeah, no, no, I, I definitely agree that it's like, there are places that I'd like to visit. I could even stay for an extended period, but I, I don't know that I'd want to be forever. And here's the thing, you know, I might get tired of Tarifa, Spain, but here's the thing, you're, you're somewhere beautiful, and it's not like you can't travel. You just go back to there. Uh, Coltrane... Um, I'm going to let you give your real answer, but for me, I think that the place where you would be happiest and healthiest is in the butt. But where do you think... <laughs> quick alternative okay. to that one. Jeff has an alternative choice, yes. Whatever the prison from Orange is the New Black where you get to bang the inmates. Oh, oh, so you could be like, he could be the guard with the mustache. Yeah. All right. Now, you don't have to take either of those into consideration, but as we wind things down here on the Blackcast, we want to always go out on an up note... Where do you think you would be happiest and healthiest? You know, I, as this question was going on, I, I was sort of thinking, like, I did have a great time in Los Angeles, and I liked the area that I lived in because I was central to everything. So that was that'd be a, that'd be in the strong running. But like Saint Croix, this this last year when I was there was kind of amazing. And even though Saint Croix itself, like once once you leave the resort, it's a little bit poor. Like just the area that you could just go like anywhere, and you had your own private beach. And you could, you know, like there was like fun stuff to do. Like you could go out like kayaking at night and, you know, like you go to this like uh, beautiful beach. that's one of like the 10 most beautiful beaches in the world and stuff. It, like someplace tropical like that, I think would actually work for me. Like I said, the, the level of poverty was, was a little bit intense. And so that would be like, I don't know that I could just bring enough wealth to like anywhere that would actually like help the whole thing, be- help right. make the whole thing better. So someplace a little bit better so that sort of everyone seems like they're just chilling and happy. Like that's the kind of place that I think I could actually 
like really enjoy where you just you go into the water at any time and like temperature is beautiful you can just like it's just a fun time you can go hiking you're yeah. great like it's great visually so Cape right. Coy was, was definitely high up there someplace tropical like that. well that sounds great you know what i'm gonna amend my answer the place that is my healthy and happiest place right here on the black cast where Aww. we've been very excited yeah very cheesy but uh where we've been lucky to be joined by coltrane coltrane thank you so much at coltrane leaks we'll catch up with you again in the very near future and of course for captain eo at jeff duray i'm christian black at christian dmz not with us at will sterling underscore we'll catch up with him again soon i'm sure and don't forget at Blackcast b-l-a-d-t-c-a-s-t we will see you next time on the black cast the mic's too I said to myself, what a country. <laughs>